Welcome to the Second Students North Podcast. My name is Luis. We're in a series called Influencers. Our goal with this series is to walk through God's Word each week to teach, equip, and encourage our students to be spiritual influencers for God's kingdom. We hope you enjoy week three of Influencers. I am going to kick off tonight with a story about my life. Really, it's like a seven-year-long story, but it won't take seven years to tell. Um, but when I was in sixth grade, um, I went to like a really small district, and so we had the same, we had one elementary school, one middle school, one high school, so I like knew all the same people my whole life. And the friends I had in like third, fourth, fifth grade, in sixth grade, they started making like just choices I didn't want to make, specifically like they just started to like toy around with cuss words, and I wasn't really about that. Um, and so I kind of started to be on the look for new friends in sixth grade, Okay. So I found this new friend, and she was cool. Um, We went to church together, and she was cool. But come to find out, she already had a best friend. Like, she was, like, claimed. And so that girl that was her best friend didn't like that I became her best friend, right? Are we familiar with the drama, maybe? Yes, okay, yes. Uh, So the other girl started to do mean things to me. You may be familiar with that drama. She started to spread stuff about me, just be really mean to me. And she made my boyfriend break up with me for one of her friends. I know, how rude. I'm like still, I still have a little wound from that, but good thing I'm married now. I'm sixth grade. I remember I was in the hallway and my friend came up to me and they were like, hey, Jake's breaking up with you for Mackenzie. And I was like, And then I cried in reading class, and it was my turn to read, and I tried to, like, read through the tears. Anyways, that's real life. But that's not the whole story. So that's in sixth grade. And then, but me and that girl, I had so much bitterness towards her because she was so horrible to me in sixth grade. And then we keep going, seventh and eighth grade, we try out for the volleyball teams, and your girl can't make the serve over the net, and so I, like, barely make the team, and she's, like, starting, and so just all this bitterness continues to build up in my life, and then in eighth grade, I had this dream to be our mascot, our school mascot. I wanted to be mascot so bad. Sometimes, maybe all the time, I have a lot of energy, so I thought I'd be a good mascot, Um, but this other girl got mascot instead of me. It's like, I'm just like, this girl keeps getting everything. So all this bitterness keeps building up inside of me towards this girl. But then eighth grade year, I decided I love volleyball, so I played club volleyball. So then my freshman year, I make a better team than her in high school. So then I'm like, think I'm all hot stuff, and then I just keep being bitter towards her. Like this bitterness in our relationship keeps building. And that happens all throughout high school, because then our sophomore year, we make the same team, and then we're part of the same team the rest of the year. And then, (laughs) I'm so ashamed to tell you guys this, my senior year, so this is like, what, seven years of friendship or friendship. We're a part of the same like friend group. We go to homecoming together and prom together. Like we share friends, but it's just like bitter the whole time. And then my senior year, I was like just particularly annoyed with her one practice. And then we're taking a water break. And then I'm walking out to get my water. And then like somebody throws a volleyball at the back of me. And it was my coach. She's just being playful. But who do I think that it was? That girl. So I pick up the closest volleyball to me and I like heave it at her. Like I threw it so hard at her. And I'm a senior. Like I'm supposed to be like kind of figuring my life out. So I throw this ball at her and then she like starts crying out of the room. And I'm like, what did I just do? But it was all this pent up bitterness in my life towards her. And then the coach, the freshman coach who was a Christian pulls me aside and has a conversation with me. And she's like, you're supposed to be a Christian. Like, you're supposed to set an example for her. 
You're supposed to love her. Do you think you did that? And I was like, no, but miss. <laughs> like, she's the worst. And I just thought about that yesterday, and I was like, I can't believe how much I missed it. Like, I tell you guys that story to tell you how much I missed it and how ashamed I was, because can you imagine what would have happened if I loved her anyways? Like, if in sixth grade or seventh or eighth or ninth or any of those years, I chose to love her anyways, if I chose to be like, you hurt me, and I really just want to store up all this bitterness towards you, but I'm going to love you anyways. I'm going to surprise you by the way that I love you. But that's not what I chose, and so I'm ashamed, and I tell you that because I want you to choose something different. Our verse for this series, we're talking about being influencers, our verse is 1 Timothy, Timothy 4.12. Uh, it says, don't let anybody look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. So the first week, Randy talked about how to use our speech to glorify the Lord. Last week, Grayson shared about our conduct. And this week, we're gonna talk about how to love people um, so that it brings glory to the Lord. So let me pray for us, and we're gonna jump in. Lord, thank you for tonight, um, for the promise of your love, the example of your love, and we just pray that you would help us get rid of all of our distractions right now, that you would tune our hearts with yours so we can hear exactly what you wanna share with us tonight, um, and that we would have the confidence and the courage to walk away and obey and do something about what you've spoken to our hearts tonight. So I pray that your word would speak, that none of my words would speak, but only your word would speak, God. We love you, we wanna hear from you, amen. Okay, so last week, if you were here, Grayson had two little mannequin people on the stage, and he just shared about his life and then Daniel's life and how he kind of claimed to be a Christian but didn't act the right way. Um, and so what I'm going to share with us tonight is that just how to love people, how to not claim to be a Christian but then not know how to love people. And I don't just say, like, love, like, a boy or a girl that you like, but it's like, love people, love your friends, um, be a loving person towards people. We're talking about how to set an example in that tonight, even when it's hard. And there's two groups of people we're gonna do that with, with people who aren't your friends and people who are your friends. And I wanna say something before I get into scripture, that if you're in this room and you've been hurt by the church, um, if somebody is a Christian in your life and they hurt you, um, if you've been hurt by any church or a person like me who threw a volleyball at you because they claim to be a Christian but they were mad at you, I'm sorry. I just want you to know that if you've ever been hurt by the church or Christians because people weren't loving to you, I'm really sorry and I'm glad you're here and I hope you learned something new about how God loves you tonight. But we're gonna look at how Jesus loved somebody who wasn't his friend. So the story we're gonna read is in Luke chapter 19, if you've been around church for a long time, you know his name. His name is Zacchaeus. Um, we're gonna read just 10 verses, but not all together. We're gonna break it down. So just the first two verses, it says, again, Luke chapter 19, verses one and two, if you have a Bible. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. So Jesus entered a town, passed through the town. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. So let me tell you for a second why it matters that he's a chief tax collector before we get into the rest of the story. So you, you probably think, like, you can assume why somebody would hate the tax collectors. They take your money. Even your parents probably complain about paying their taxes. Hopefully your parents do pay their taxes. If they don't, you should tell them they should. Um, but just think about the chief tax collector, okay? We can assume why they would not like them. But it's a step further because back in that day, Rome had taken over Israel. So it would be like if some other country came and took us over. And it's hard for us to imagine because we're in America, the land of the free. Um, but think about some other countries that don't have all the same freedoms we have. Somebody else has taken over their country and they say, this is how you live. You don't have any more freedoms, this is how you live. So imagine we're in a country like that and then your next door neighbor comes and knocks on your door and they're like, 
hello, I need your taxes for the enemy, for the bad people, and also I'm gonna take some extra money so that I can have nice things. So then your neighbor's living next to you with like this nice house, these nice clothes, this nice car, because they took money for the enemy. So that's how much people hate the tax collectors. And so we jump into this story, and Jesus knows that. Jesus knows that nobody likes this guy, and this guy knows that nobody likes him, okay? Verse three, I want you to watch in these three verses the first thing Jesus says to him. I'm gonna ask you what it is, so pay attention. Verse three, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short and could not see over the crowd, oh, sorry, but he could not see over, whatever, he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd, that's what I'm saying. Verse four, so he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, I'm gonna ask you this. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So what's the very first thing Jesus ever says to Zacchaeus? Yeah, he says, come down here, I have to stay at your house. And so Jesus makes this guy that nobody else likes, makes him feel like a priority, makes him feel like he is the most important thing in the room. Like, he was probably with his posse, all his friends, and he's like, stop, I have to see that guy right now. Like, could you imagine? Imagine what that looks like in your life. If you're like in the lunch line, or you're whatever, hanging outside of school, or you're at a pep rally or something, and you're standing there with your friends, and they're telling you about who snapped who, and if you should leave them on red or whatever. You're talking about all this stuff. And then you see somebody, because you're asking God to help you love people, you see somebody who needs love, and you're like, stop. Hey, do you wanna come hang out with us? Hey, do you wanna come sit with us? Hey, can you come sit with us right now? Like, could you imagine the shock that would be on your friends' faces if you stopped whatever you were doing, and you went and asked somebody who nobody else would ask to sit with you to come sit with you? Or ask them to do whatever with you if you ask them to hang out later because y'all aren't supposed to be friends. Nobody else likes them, they're weird. Like, could you imagine the shock on people's faces? But that's what Jesus did. And so then when Jesus says that to Zacchaeus, verse six, we're gonna see what happens. So he, Zacchaeus, came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter or gossip. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. So all these religious people, they get upset because Jesus wants to be friends with a sinner, okay? And I wanna make a point here that maybe sometimes the friends you have should confuse people. Maybe people should be like, why, why is she friends with her? Why, why did he bring us to hang, why did he bring him to hang out with us? Like, maybe you should love people that are surprising, that nobody else would expect you to love. And then if everybody else is like surprised by that and like talks about you because of the people you're hanging out with because you're trying to love people, maybe that's okay. Maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. So before we read the next verse, uh, what's, the, what's again the only thing Jesus has said so far? Yeah, pretty much come hang out with me. Come down here, come hang out with me. It's the only thing Jesus has said to Zacchaeus. He hasn't said like, hey, come down here. You're a big fat sinner. Stop stealing from people. Come down here. I have to tell you how much you're a thief. Come down here. Like, you have to stop sinning, come down here. I'm the son of God, don't you know that you're not supposed to steal from people? Jesus says none of that. All he has said so far is come down, I wanna hang out with you, that's it. So verse eight, this is all we're gonna read for this passage. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. 
So Zacchaeus has this giant turning point. He goes from being a chief tax collector, this big fat sinner who steals from people and is selfish and everybody doesn't like him. And he turns that whole thing around and he's like, here, I'm gonna give away half of what I have. I'm gonna pay back everybody I stole from. And all it took was Jesus to love him. They didn't have this like three hour debate about if you should steal from people or not. Jesus didn't have to say, hey, we can be friends, but let me tell you what I think about stealing first. Like, let me tell you what my mom says about stealing. Like, that's not what Jesus did when he wanted to hang out with Zacchaeus. All he did was say, hey, come down here. I wanna hang out with you. He made him feel like a priority. And that turned Zacchaeus' life around because nobody else loved him. So think about what would happen to that person. You probably have somebody in your brain right now at your school or maybe in this room that you don't wanna love. Imagine if you started to love them. Like, what if they were like, oh my gosh, like, and that turns their life around because nobody else has loved them that way before. Nobody else has pointed them out and made them feel so important. So think about what if you did that to a Zacchaeus in your life. But I have something to point out to you um, because I woke up this morning, I just was like, all I was gonna talk about was the Zacchaeus thing. I was gonna talk about it a lot more, but I was not at rest. I was like, there's something else I have to say. So I asked the Lord and here we are. I noticed something that Zacchaeus didn't become, and he wasn't, Jesus' best friend. Like, he wasn't one of Jesus' inner people. Jesus loved him because he was a stranger, but Jesus didn't like love him by becoming a part of Zacchaeus' life and then starting to tax collect with him. That would be silly and that would be counterproductive and aside the point. But a lot of us do that. A lot of us are like, well, I need to love these people who are sinners. I need to be in their life. I need to be a part of their life. And then you end up just choosing their sin with them. You're not loving them. You're not being a part of their life. You're not loving them in a way that makes them repent of their sin. You've just joined them in their sin. And so I want you to notice that's not what Jesus did. He didn't join into Zacchaeus' life and then say, okay, I'll come tax collect with you. And then maybe along the way, you'll come to know me. No, he just loved him. That's what he did. And so I want to talk about what we do with the people that are our friends. Because I want you to hear me carefully. Sometimes loving people doesn't mean that you let them be a part of your inner circle. Some of you need to be careful about who you let into your inner circle. That doesn't mean you don't love them. There's a different way we love people who are in our inner circle. So we're going to see what Jesus did with those people. Um, so this is in Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 through 46 which I think is funny. It's like 26, 36, 46. You can remember it. Um, Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 46. So this is a story about Jesus' best friends. This is his inner circle. Their names are Peter, James, and John. Okay, we're just gonna read the whole 10 verses. You can handle it. It'll be okay. And then we're gonna chat about it. So let me turn to my Bible. All right, Matthew chapter 26, 36 through 46. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which are James and John, along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So he asked his friends to stay and pray with him. Going a little farther, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but you will. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is possible, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he found them sleeping again because their eyes were heavy. 
So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near and the Son of Man is betrayed to the hands of sinners. Let us go. Here comes my betrayer. So these are Jesus' best friends and it's like the time he needs them the most. He's literally about to go and die and they keep falling asleep. He's asked for them to pray and they keep falling asleep. But what's cool and what I thought about this morning was he like continues to go and call them out. Like I see Jesus, like I see them in the garden and they're all praying and then they're sleeping. And Jesus probably, maybe he didn't, I don't know. He might've just gone and like bopped him on the head and he's like, wake up, we are praying right now. And they just go do that three times. But some of you guys need to love your friends by doing that to them. Some of your friends continue to fall into the same thing over and over and you're close enough with them in your life that you need to go bop them on the head and be like, that is not what we do. That is not how we live our life as followers of the Lord. And a lot of times we think, and I fall into this, we think, oh, they know what they're doing is wrong. I don't want to like hurt their feelings by calling them out. Like, I'm just, they're going to figure it out. I don't want to hurt their feelings. That's not what Jesus did. He wasn't like, oh, okay, if they want to sleep, that's probably whatever. They probably had a hard time, like whatever. Um, it's fine. No, he was like, that's not what we do. Wake up. I'm going to call you out because I love you. He did that over and over and over again. So he was loving them, but he was spurring them on and he was calling them out, not letting them continue in sin. So sometimes we have to love people by stopping them from sin and saying, you have to stop that. And if you have to pop them on the head, that's fine. (laughs) But be gentle. Um, When I was thinking about this, there is a scene. I got really into Avengers uh, lately. Anybody else? You guys like Avengers? Um, it's mostly because I started dating my husband, and then he was like, you've never seen any of these movies? And I was like, I only have sisters, and so we watched all these movies. And I thought about, yeah, go kill. Um, so I thought about this scene at the end of Winter Soldier. And it, I think it portrays what we're saying here really well. So if you don't know or if you don't remember, here's some background. Captain America, or Steve, has this friend named Bucky, and Bucky got brainwashed by the bad guys, and so he doesn't remember who Steve or Captain America is, and he's just into this, like, man weapon. And so he's just trained to, like, beat up. He's got a metal arm, uh, and he's just trained to beat up. And he doesn't remember who Captain America is at all, okay? So we're gonna watch and see what happens in this scene. Man, I had to stop it right there. I know, I'm saying. Uh, I had to stop it most because I didn't want to watch Bucky punch him some more because I might cry. Um, but if you don't know, what happens is, uh, I'm, you should have seen it by now if I spoil it for you. Captain America, like, falls to the ocean, but then he says something, and Bucky remembers who he is, and then he goes to save him, okay? And I relate that to this because Bucky, like, was with the enemy. He was, like, with the bad guys, right? Yes, Hydra, you're right. Um... And he forgot who he was, he forgot what was true. But we love Captain America in this scene because he did not give up on Bucky. He was like, I have to continually tell you who you are. You're gonna punch me in the face when I tell you. You're gonna like knock me off this ship thing when I tell you, but I have to tell you who you are. I have to remind you who you are. And that's exactly what Jesus did to his friends in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was like, I'm gonna keep telling you who you are. You have to remember what is true because that's what love is. Love wouldn't have been Captain America just letting Bucky like continue to be like brainwashed. He went and he fought for him because he was his best friend. And he was like, you have to remember what is true, right? So that's what love is. Love is telling people the truth. And so if you've gotten to a place though with your friends 
and you're not telling them truth anymore, you're just like joining them in their sin, you've started tax collecting with them or you started looking like them, then you need to quit that. (laughs) And you need to start loving your friends by telling them what is true, okay? And if you're in a place where you need to draw some boundaries from some other friends because you're not loving them and they're really not helping you out, that's okay. Um, But your job is with your inner circle is to love them by telling them what is true but not letting them influence you the other way, okay? Um, So what might this look like for you in your life? What might it look like for you to love people who are like a Zacchaeus in your life, okay? That might mean you have to invite a person that you know believes different things than you or likes different things than you or enjoys different activities than you. Somebody like that, you might invite them to come hang out with you and your friends outside of school or sit with you at lunch or sit with you during a pep rally or whatever. Or maybe you just think about them and serve somebody who might be surprised by it. In little ways, maybe you bring, find, figure out what their favorite snack is and bring it to them, or their favorite Starbucks drink, or take their paper to the turn and tray if y'all are all done with it at the same time. Like, hey, can I take that for you? Or take their trash. Like, think about somebody who's on the other side of the room. Nobody expects you to love them, and think about some way to love them. It'll surprise everybody, especially that person, but you don't know what it could do for their life and what it could do for their heart. But what might it look like for you to love your best friends the way that Jesus loved Peter, James, and John? or the way that Captain America loved his best friend. So if they're Christians, like bob them on the head and say, stop, that's not what we do. That is not the way God has called us to live and I love you enough to tell you that. So come, let's pray right now, let's pray together so you won't sin anymore, ask for accountability and remind them who they are. Your job is to set an example as a believer in speech, in conduct, in love, and faith and in purity, okay?